0: Hello, listener. Welcome to the final Switch It of 2023. England are flying home for Christmas, having been kicked in the Chris Rear one last time. They gave us heart by levelling the T20i series at 2-2 before being whammed again in Trinidad, and it looks like they might need more than a Band-Aid before returning to the Caribbean for the World Cup in six months' time. Next year, to save us from tears, I think... Never, and Matt might already be crying. Uh, Well, it's another white ball tour of the West Indies, actually, but that's Christmas Future. For now, we'll focus on the present with plenty of wrapping up to do after a topsy-turvy five-match encounter that featured plenty of six-sitting and maybe one or two festive mince pies in between. Um, Joining me for that are two of Switch's favourite little helpers, ESPN Crick Info, UK editor Andrew Miller and assistant editor Matt Roller. Hello, guys. Good to have you on board, Miller. Uh, it was a cracker of a series, even if the finale was a bit of a, a cold turkey. But were you left feeling pleasantly full or, or, or like England, once again, stuffed?
1: I, I'm just going to pause for a second and, and then acknowledge <laughs> the unbelievable Panorama, you've just you've just unleashed on us there. That 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 was that that was mesmeric. I think we should just cut that and use use that as the as the clips for this show. Um, but yes, stuffed. I'm stuffed. Uh, I mean, it was England was stuffed, weren't they? I mean, it, it, you know, they, they, it's really interesting the, the the brief glimmer of optimism that England had when they finally cracked it. They finally remembered to stop thinking and just hit sixes. It, it, you know, they, they, they were they were way down in the six count after two games and thought, you know what, let's just let's just not worrying start lumping it again. And then, clearly, they started of worrying again in the final game. Admittedly, the pitch was a bit stickier than perhaps they'd intended, and clearly batting second was a, was an advantage. But there is such a dichotomy between England at their bravest, best, fearless, blasé approach across all formats at the moment, and when they start to think about the consequences of things. And that you saw that pre-Basball in the Test Series. You saw that for certain at the World Cup when this team of world-beaters suddenly realised, oh my God, we we aren't ready for this and we don't quite know what a game plan is. And we've seen it at, at intermittent periods of this of this uh, eight-match white ball tour of the Caribbean in which England have lost two deciders and lost five out, five out of eight. So it's, uh, you know, there's an awful lot of things that haven't gone right for England, even though, as Matthew Mott will doubtless argue, there, 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 there were glimmers and there was progress and there's definite routes towards a, a successful defence of that title having had very useful sighters in the same conditions they're going to be facing in june for the t20 world cup but broadly speaking we end up with the same same old situation of a team that uh, doesn't quite know its identity uh in a, in a in a very clear demarcation from the the side that that marched so successfully to to glory in 2015 to 19 and then ultimately in 2022 as well
0: yes it's, it's becoming a bit of a familiar story um Matt England began 2022 by losing a five-match T20 series away to West Indies 3-2 and ended the year as T20
2: World champs. So does that mean they're nailed on to defend the title next June? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Anyway, I think uh, I, I I would say that this series really did wet the appetite for that T20 World Cup next year. I mean, the the contrast even uh, on the same strip of concrete uh at, at the Brian Lara Cricket Academy at Taruba in the space of forty eight hours between uh the high scorer we saw in the fourth game and then the um real sort of nail biter on on Thursday night was was stark and I think that we're gonna see that across that World Cup and the, across those different venues. The Caribbean is a great place to host a tournament like a T twenty World Cup because of the fact that there's going to be such diversity in the conditions. Um, you know, it, it's easy to say um, you know that England need an identity as a side, but I think the the team that wins that T Twenty World Cup will probably be the one that adapts best. And I I, I felt as though England didn't adapt enough and anywhere near quickly enough in that final game. It was clearly a um, the sort of surface where it was going to be easiest to score runs in the power play and then harder through the middle, um, which you know played out in in both innings. And they did get off to a flying start, but I think um, particularly thinking of the the sort of the 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 back end of England's innings they really really struggled and faded quite badly at the end um, possibly trying too hard to get up to 160 when even you know 140 150 might have ended up being um, a, a competitive score I mean they nearly defended 132 so I think um, yeah it, much as it's you know it, it's clearly not great news that England keep on losing bilateral series and um, haven't won a bilateral T20 series since I think potentially just before the T20 World Cup last year when they beat Australia in that sort of warm-ups. I think there is also a part of me that thinks there's been enough seen and enough learned in this series from England that there's at least reason to, um, to, to be vaguely optimistic for that t20 world cup next year i mean t20 world cups are fundamentally very different tournaments to odi world cups uh, and england's players unlike this year we'll be playing a lot of the format um in domestic cricket and franchise cricket over the next uh, five months in the leading you've got to be prepared to lose to win as uh, a great
0: man once said um, we'll go through some of those learnings in uh, uh in the next half an hour or so let's quickly hop through uh, results in Barbados, Grenada and Trinidad. Andre Russell was the star on comeback in in the first T20Is, his first West Indies appearance in a couple of years. Um, They chased comfortably before out-sixing England again in the second game. It took Phil Salt's maiden hundred uh, and some startling death-hitting from Harry Brooke to keep England in the series, Uh, a performance they followed up by slamming a record total of 267 for three in Taruba, uh on a pitch that I think was expected to be quite slow and low um, by reputation, and it certainly was in that decider. As as Matt has um, touched upon, half the amount of runs scored uh, they were uh, England's total of 132 was eventually overhauled with four balls to spare in the decider. Miller, um, you know, I mean, there's some of the some of the positives. Let's pick those out as that's what uh, international sportsmen and coaches like to do. Phil Sir- Phil Salt certainly had a holly jolly time of it. 331 runs uh, at a strike rate of 185.95. Um, no Christmas hamper from the IPL, but he'll still be pretty pleased with how the tour went.
1: Oh, he'll be ecstatic. I mean, he 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 fulfilled the brief absolutely superbly. He he came in as the the likeliest man to do what Jason Roy used to do way back. Just just tee off from the get go. And keep teeing off, and he did it brilliantly. I mean, you know, even even when he even when he failed, he was he was failing in 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 the prescribed style that that, that sets it up. And you got with the way that England set up in this series, Will Jacks coming in at three. Admittedly, he didn't have a great series. It was a good, encouraging sign that England have probably learned a little bit from the World Cup. In fact, the 50 of the World Cup when you had likes of Mitchell Marsh coming in at number three of the power play, recognition that. You just gotta keep keep hammering down. There's no point in bringing in someone to steady the ship when you lose a wicket. Just just keep going with your hardest hitters at the top. So that's a useful learning for England. And um, he's a lock for this uh, the, this World Cup defence. I mean, he was there, of course, in the, in, in the original victory in Melbourne. Where kind of kind of England do kind of overlook the fact he was a World Cup winner on that on that tour. But uh, he's no longer a fringe player as far as the T20 side is concerned. And as you mentioned there in passing, Henry Brookett. The way in which he finished that 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 game in particular with with, with twenty seven or eight balls or something, I don't remember how many how many runs he scored, but uh, thirty one
0: seven, I think it was thirty
1: of one seven, even better. But <laughs> it was interesting in fact, just watching him coming in as a as a as a finisher in the way that perhaps England had tried to use Liam Livingstone previously, and I think it looked England looked better balanced when they shoved Livingstone up the order a little bit further and gave him. A chance to play a long innings, weirdly, because one of the big faults that Livingstone has shown in recent times is losing his shape through the desire to yeah. smack Ill. it so hard that he just gets out before he started. But giving him a chance to know that he's got the power to build into his innings a bit like in Milan. But we'll come, come back to him in, in due course. I dare <laughs> say.
0: Um, but I wasn't but expecting um, that comparison on this pod. I'd b- say.
1: On, no, but. but I, I honestly think, actually, maybe a better, better example is Ben Stokes. Um, you know, Ben Stokes is a guy who, when he was given a, given his first go in international cricket, coming in at number seven, eight, sometimes nine, I think, he was just a slogger. He had no shape. He had that memorable tour of the Caribbean, when which, which effectively bombed him out of the 2015 World Cup when he punched a locker in frustration after yet another golden duck. He was playing so badly on that tour because he did not feel he had the faith of the management as a proper batsman. And as we have seen with Stokes, who's probably going to come back into the into the World Cup squad, he actually plays at his best when he just gives himself a little bit of time to calibrate the innings, find his timing, and then launch it. And Harry Brooke, to come back to my original point, the way in which Harry Brooke finished that innings with his, with his with his teeing off in in, in circumstances where you're just kind of going to go for broke because there's no time to find your bearings, his immense talent, his immense poise, his ability to go from ball one actually makes him a really, really useful man to have low down the order um in in a in a in that sense and you know especially when you're dovetailing with if Salter's gonna come off at the top and Jax or whoever comes in after that, there's 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 potential for England to have real power all the way through their innings in in the in this in this guise. But it does require and again Liam Livingston's spin perhaps wasn't a major feature of this particular tour, but it will be in the future. It probably does require having I mean, Liam Livingston trusted to be a pivot of the side. In a way that perhaps he was a bit of a spare pass at the 50th of the World Cup, certainly where the batting was concerned.
0: Matt on Salt, uh, you know, just probably we should dwell on him a, a little longer, as the um, well, various records were, went his way over the over the course of the series. Um, first Englishman scored two T20I hundreds, uh, the highest T20I score by an Englishman. I think he tallied the most runs in um, any series certainly five match series even uh even um including t20 world cups i think uh um with uh, yeah 331 um i mean he talked a little bit about his opening partnership with joss butler they've they've got a relationship which um extends to the hundred and manchester originals and and, and Lancashire as well um, I mean clearly opening partnerships are a, are a pretty big deal in in this form of the game and and for it, that's for for that to be such a strength for England two century stands uh, another of 77 i think
2: uh, you know that that is a, a big thing to have come out of the series yeah absolutely you think back to the, the t20 world cup last year in australia and uh, england won four games in a row to to win the trophy and three of those were uh, founded on partnerships between jos butler and alex Hale. so if Salt can... Um, replace him at the top of the order then that's a, a huge bonus I think we've we've seen with Salt a real evolution um, since since he sort of first played international cricket a couple of years ago, he's always been someone who's very very strong leg side uh, and very very adept at scoring when there's only two men out of the ring but it used to be pretty easy to to get Salt out in the middle overs, you would bring on the spinners, uh, you would shut down the leg side boundary options and he, he wouldn't have the game to play through the offside I think what we've seen this year is that he's clearly worked pretty hard to improve his offside game he's, he's scoring regularly through the offside um you know thinking back to the power play in the final game uh when he only made 30 odd you know taking a shane thomas through the offside a couple of times early early on um and also he seems to have improved a lot against spin as well i think back to that bangladesh tour earlier in the year where he, i think he was out to left arm spin five out of six innings something like that whereas this this series Admittedly, he didn't score quite as quickly against spin on, on pitches that were quite often um, favourable for for Hossein and Gudakesh Um But he was only out to spin once in the series, which is something that we wouldn't associate with him at all. So, yeah, huge. And that for was England a pretty diff- decent ball in the in the final. Yeah, uh, it it was. It was a real jaffa. <laughs> so, yeah, huge for England if um, if they can pretty much lock in that opening partnership. There's obviously so many uh, options out there. So many talented young openers and older openers. Um, across English cricket um but yeah it feels like and judging by comments from from both Butler and Matthew might it feels like that's that's pretty much secured um f- heading into heading into June next year
0: um we we kind of talked before the series um about what Will Jacks might do Miller I mean uh, he um had a, a pretty good go In the ODIs, uh, he can bowl as well. There's you know, he's sort of uh potentially uh you know, the 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 next gen Mohin Ali in in uh his his aggression with the bat and uh, bowling off spin and, and sort of versatility as well. Um, this series didn't quite pan out for him in, in the way that I guess he would have hoped. He he was down the order at number three. Um and it never, never really got going. I mean, he, he, different circumstances. A couple of times coming in in the power play. A couple of times having to, um, you know, just just uh, kick on through the middle. I think he did have a a, a fifty-run partnership in in um, quick time with Salt in that uh, in that record innings in Trinidad. But seventy-three runs in five innings. Uh, he bowled one over that went for fourteen. Hasn't quite made the impact that that uh, he would have. Perhaps been hoping to, given all the sort of talk around his lack of a central contract and so on.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a tough one for him. I, I like the theory of Will Jacks. I, I particularly like the theory of Will Jacks at number three in this lineup. I think you know, obviously, he opens more often than not for, for Surrey and Overland Vincibles. But as Matt says, that that prior connection between Butler and Salted at uh, uh, Manchester Originals and Lancashire makes makes their partnership a no brainer. And so his obvious slot for for the time being is number three, but it does also feel as though it's a bit of a placeholder, isn't it? Because as we all know, the central contracts issue does loom, I think, over what England are going to do in the, in the coming months. And, um, you know, he didn't get a contract in the way that uh, the likes of Stokes and Johnny Best, in particular did. And so if Bairstow can prove his fitness and, you know, that's, uh, that's still a moot point. I think um, he is probably a likely guy to return to that number three slot. And that, you know, in theory, again, is a really powerful lineup. Of course, before his injury uh, last last year, before the the T Twenty World Cup victory, he was, I think, scheduled to be at number three for England. He'd basically been locked in to about three in that in that, in that tournament, as I seem to recall. So that feels like the the destination. And so, in terms of his bowling as well, I mean, clearly he's a work in progress on on the bowling front. But in this particular series, with the with the fact that England trusted Rehan Ahmed and and Adam Rashid in what I thought was a very good experiment. It may not be a, an experiment that gets repeated uh in six months time uh not initially anyway but uh and I would would imagine would be lurking around the squad or certainly the reserves uh but because those two were the locks for the you know the the, the majority of the spin bowling mowing perhaps took get overall two in the, in the power play even Liam Lindston as well as mentioned earlier barely barely was recall, called upon to to bowl so Jax is the sort of sixth spinner in in in, in the ranks for it was probably uh a little bit little bit far far back from the from from the front line of the of the options there. So um yeah, he'll get another chance, I hope. Um I just don't know whether he's got to, just gotta buy to time a little bit more now, having having missed a you know, what was clearly a very good opportunity is as, as we've seen with the way that Salt went. If Jackson hadn't had the sort of even one of the innings that Salt had produced, uh we'd probably be talking about that top three as as a real contender for for coming back in six months' time. As it is, you suspect that Besto has first refusal at this rate uh, assuming he can he can lose a bit of timber and, and get back to the fitness that we we know he will certainly bring the belligerence yes. it's just uh, whether post that, that injury he can do it across all formats and um, that I suspect will be a, a question that remains to be seen um, right up until um, the start of the English season
0: I mean Matthew Mott said uh, I think before the 5th T20 that England were pretty close to their World Cup selection and um, Matt, I mean, there isn't much more uh, international T20 for England to play before they go back out to that part of the world in June, um, home series against Pakistan. There is, as you say, a lot of uh, T20 in, in other forms, uh, you know, IPL notably, um, to come before then. I, t- just just as his name has already been mentioned, ha- have England moved on from, from David Banan here? It's interesting that... Um, West Indies been uh, in putting together this side which you know they will hope is going to do a lot better at a home World Cup than they've managed in the last couple. Um, they've got a lot of power players in there, but they've chosen to to put in a, a sort of more classical um, batter at number four in in Shea hope. Um, I mean England might have Ben Stokes and, and uh, Matthew Mott talked about him as being sort of nailed on if he's fit to come back into the setup. Um, for for that World Cup, but is is
2: uh, the years of Milan? Uh, have we moved on from them? I I think immediately after the World Cup, Rob Key made pretty clear that Milan had been dropped from their side on form. It wasn't a case of him being rested or sort of retired or anything like that. It was you know he's he's had a couple of years where his run scoring has not been anywhere near as prolific in in T Twenty cricket, and I suppose particularly in T Twenty international cricket. Um, and yeah, I think with the way England are sort of planning to set up, um, as you mentioned, Mott has discussed the option of, of Stokes coming straight into the side, balancing it as a seam bowling all rounder, probably from number four, and sort of f- filling that role that he did in Australia uh, last year. With him there, I don't think there's there's probably space for for two similar type players in in that middle order. Is is my read on it? Um, if you think about, you know. Across that series, if we're, if we're using that as a benchmark for what you might get in the T20 World Cup in terms of conditions, the the main thing in pretty much every game, barring possibly the last one, but even still West Indies uh, hit more sixes than England in the in the decider. But across the series, the trend was that the team who hit the most sixes won the game. That happened in all five games, um, and, and power is clearly going to be such a big thing on, firstly, not always the truest pitches, and secondly, generally relatively small boundaries. So if you're weighing up, for example, Milan against someone like Johnny Bairstow at number three, I think it's it seems to me relatively obvious that you would lean towards Berstow at this point. Now, the sort of, I suppose, proviso to that, is that um, you know is that there is still a fair bit of cricket to be played. Milan could go to the SA20 in January and have an unbelievably good tournament and force his way into England's plans a bit more. He goes to the PSL as well after that. Um, so if he's you know top scorer in both of those leagues then they might sort of think about him seriously um other than that though i think um it's probably gonna my, my read on it anyway is that the top four will end up being sold butler Besto, stokes uh and then into some power in the middle order uh,
0: all those obituaries well, uh, one of them all turned out to be true in the end um Miller Rayan Ahmed uh, we uh, we talked about you know this being um a, a pretty key tour for lo- at looking at how he fares at, at this um level and you know playing consistently he played four out of the five T20s uh, he did well in the ODIs as well England made a theme actually but the talked about it of, of playing two leg spinners um Adil Rashid was clearly still the kingpin um you know a, a very impressive series for him Given his form has fluctuated a little bit over over recent years, uh, you know he, he's looking like a, a key part of the attack again. Ranked as the number one T twenty I spinner now uh, as well. Rehan, he took wickets. Uh, he looked good in 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 spurts. Uh, he was also a bit expensive. I guess that's all part of the learning curve for a young leggy, um, and you know potentially a, a great squad option to have, even if they do end up kind of. Um, returning to the old firm of, of Rashid and Moeen uh, come come next year.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we always thought that Rehan was going along to be the, the heir apparent to, to, to um, Rashid. I think uh, there was that brief moment mid-series when, when the pair of them dovetailed so wonderfully in a match in England still went on to lose, as it happens, that we thought that this could actually be the future is on us now and these two are the best spinners in English cricket albeit they're both leg spinners why not play them both i think that moment has waned again um it does feel as though on frankly it has been an absolutely extraordinarily useful learning curve for rayon to be on just to be be thrust into a brief moment of being considered the equal to the best spinner that england have ever produced frankly certainly in ball cricket um and then realize that you know what there is still a gap between the the utter consistency that that Adil Rashid produced throughout this series, and his slight up and down. There were only minuscule up and downs, as far as I'm concerned. He didn't do an awful lot wrong. You had a couple of overs where he got where he got pinned down uh, by Rodman. I think it was in particular. Um, but you know, there there was there. He he did most things right. He looked he he carried himself with confidence. He he bowled wicket taking balls. He 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 did enough to certainly earn the right to be considered for that squad. I just think probably, on balance, it's going to be Adil proving that he is now, the, now unequivocally the number one spinner in, in ICC's rankings. Uh, he's going to be going back for one last, last hurrah at the T20 World Cup. I mean, presumably that will be his last, last hurrah, but he's in such good form at the moment. I mean, never say never. Uh, but clearly, Ray-Anne is is he will have come on hugely just by being... In the mix in a way that perhaps he wasn't, you know, he went out of Bangladesh and uh, has been around the fringes and obviously was in, in on the fringes of basketball and that Karachi Test, etc. But I think this was the first time you could really think of him as front and center of England's plans rather than just a, a work in progress. And for a brief moment in that in that match where they bowled all the Rovers consecutively and and really tied up an end and, and and you know did, did 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 their did their thing, he he certainly rose to the occasion um but that occasion i suspect is still a little bit hence he's still in 19 after all
0: yes and he's got uh, a test tour of india to come so we'll, we'll see how Yes, indeed a... he'll be number two spinner for <laughs> that as well so we're <laughs> going to
1: repeat the sentiments all over again until
0: until leon <laughs> dawson gets called up for the fourth test <laughs> yeah we, we we all know how those uh tours can can end up going um Another player, back in that in the mix there, kind of England like type, have options. Um, Sam Curran gives gives plenty, but uh, he, he also took quite a bit of stick again in this series. I mean, he you know, player of the series, uh, man of the tournament, uh, and all that when uh, England won in Australia. Um, he had a, he had a tough time in the ODIs in the Caribbean in the in the T20s. He he, he took wickets, but. Um, his economy in the series was eleven point nine one. He scored a maiden fifty as well, so you know uh, um, that goes a, a tick in the in the in uh, in the in the column as well. Um, I mean, I was I was thinking um, of a previous tour of the Caribbean when England preferred current Stuart Broad. In, in the in in the first test uh in 2019 he, he, he played two two tests there took one wicket for 161 I mean, it's clearly not the place that suits his cricket the best um and england are going to have to work out pretty quickly either in that you know uh in that pakistan series or going on sort of ipl form whether he is uh going to be able to 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 meet those standards that he set for himself I suppose previously um, at, a, at another T20 World Cup
2: Yeah, one thing I would say with with Curran and with the World Cup more generally is that it is now a slightly longer tournament with the change of format I think we're, we're waiting uh, uh, eagerly I'm sure for uh, not just for Santa to come but for the ICC <laughs> to drop their press release of the fixes in the next few days <laughs> Um, but yeah we're um, it it, it is a slightly longer tournament now so there will be an element of players coming in and out of a side across the course of uh, a T20 World Cup in in perhaps a greater way than there has been in in previous ones Um, but it's been a strange um, year or so for Curran really since ever since that IPL auction in fact um, when he he obviously uh, picked up a then record bid from, from Punjab Kings I think I think I'm right in saying that in 2023, he's played more T20 games than anyone else in the world in, in all T20, not just T20 internationals. I think it's pushing 60. Um, I, and to be honest, I'm not sure whether that's necessarily been hugely beneficial for him as a cricketer. I think, it, you know, he, he's often been used in in various different roles, but only in that sort of seems to have evolved uh, constantly. He's, he's, you know, everyone knows that he's capable of bowling in the power play and swinging the new ball. Everyone's seen what he can do at the death but it doesn't always happen for him and it feels like he's not quite managed to sort of to grow in any particular area of his bowling this year. Um, I do wonder, it's a sort of old school sentiment, um, which is probably quite unlike me, but I do wonder if there's an element of, um, you know, it, it might actually be beneficial for him at some point to play some red ball cricket and in the way that Liam Plunkett did before the 2019 World Cup, just to have the opportunity to actually bowl for a, a prolonged period of time, um and work out what's happening sort of try and find a bit more rhythm and a bit more groove than t20 cricket allows um now that but that's an idea but it, it re, in reality you, you he's gonna go and man. play in yeah or yeah young but foamy, i it, should say <laughs> but in reality he's gonna go play in the sa20 and then yeah, two months of ipl leading into the world cup so he's gonna have to find a way to uh to work it out whether that's in training or whether he's spot something in a game or whatever it is but yeah, from from being a player who who was obviously sort of emerged as such a banker at that World Cup in twenty twenty two, it does feel like it's been a, a pretty difficult twenty twenty three for for Sam Curran, um, and and yeah, I I would say his his starting place in uh, in England's eleven is is in, in serious doubt at the moment. Um, Miller
0: on 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 how this team evolves, uh, you know, for for the next challenge um one of the things with under under morgan under butler uh one, one of the the real sticky areas has been you know knowing when to, to go down through the gears i mean they've had, they've had some problems going, going both up and down in, in recent weeks and months in all formats but um the, the clutch control hasn't been what it once was but um this series there were 126s um most of any bilateral uh t20i series ever um but it was it was that challenge uh on on the on the uh in the fifth game on, on, a, on a used surface uh on a at a ground uh the brian mara cricket academy where lower scores were sort of more the order of the day um the yeah, you know they they, they really had some working out to do i i guess and and if we're not gonna if we're talking about you know David Milan and, and and sort of traditional anchors aren't so much in the mix. Then it's it's going to be about mindset, isn't it, and, and and adaptability, as I think Matt sort of mentioned at the top.
1: Yes, indeed. And just on, on Milan, I I I I once heard it said, and I kind of agree with it. That Milan's probably one of the best players of good on a good pitch that there is in the world. As in, he really cashes in. It might have been Ben Jones who said it, but either way, I thought the sentiment was a was a good one. In that, you know, you there are very few players who you can trust to really, really cash in properly on a pitch that is true and, and, you know, the ball swinging into his arc. He's never quite been the same player on pitches that aren't quite as as, as receptive to his shots, which is not to say he's, you know, not to say he's a flat-track bully. It just means that he is incredibly good at, at capitalising on conditions where everyone should be capitalising. No one does it better. Um, so in terms of, you know, I don't think... Milan's lack of the lack of an anchor in Milan in that last game was the reason England lost I think you know realistically the anchor as we mentioned already is a guy like Ben Stokes in the World Cup final uh, both the World Cup finals that England won in fact Stokes played the anchor role to perfection the, the the threat of power the knowledge that he could turn it up a notch at any given moment given given the what we know about his game but also the the, the sheer mental will to just just to hang in there and, and tough it out and that, I suppose, is what England actually You saw the the collapse, you know, they they left four balls unused, having having uh, once again, you know, it wasn't the first time in the series. They 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 fell in a heap, or was it? They put seventy seven on the board in in the power play in one game, and still fell in a heap. So we saw a lot of that with England throughout the series that they just did not finish in the manner in which they ought to. On in as as Matt said earlier, they didn't adapt to conditions um, readily enough, and. You know, to come back to what you were saying earlier about um, uh, you mentioned Owen Morgan and passing there, and and the, uh, and the, I suppose that it's that in turn leads on to the inevitable Matthew Mott question because I suppose you know he's come under a lot of pressure. He, that that mid-innings, mid-series rally, uh, you know, winning winning two games in really good style as well was a was a, was a feather in England's cap for their resilience. But I suppose the most fundamental problem with where where England are with with Matthew Mott and Jos Butler for that matter is. Matthew Mott was, was appointed way back when. Obviously, Matt was out there in, in, in Amstelveen for his first series. He was appointed as a continuity coach to be the, 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 the safe pair of hands that, who had, had previous experience of marshalling a, a very successful serial world-beating team in the, in the Australian women's team in a, in a situation where clearly Owen Morgan was the kingpin of that team. And then almost overnight, almost before he goes feet under the table, Owen Morgan resigns. And suddenly you got a slightly more passive captain in in Josh Butler and a passive coach in Matthew Mott and a team that suddenly is in transition. Whereas previously you thought that this this team was 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 in there for in perpetuity and it was just a matter of tweaking a few levers and making sure the handover was was a smooth one. The handover was fairly abrupt. Uh, obviously the the the, the legacy of, of what Morgan's team had achieved meant that they were able to get through to that World Cup and, and win it. But since then this this passivity of the captain and coach combination means that, you know, as I mentioned earlier, the the identity of the side is not clear yet. And so the identity when it comes to how do we play it when we aren't sure whether to stick or twist in any given given situation, I don't think, I think we saw quite clearly actually in the two significant games that England lost in the series that that identity really did go missing at key moments in that batting. They did not know, much as they didn't know in the World Cup, they did not know what to do in a way that, previously throughout that rise from twenty fifteen, they had absolutely no doubt, even if even if it went wrong, at least it went wrong on their terms. And, and the last few times it's gone wrong for England, it feels like it's it's not really on any other terms. I mean, you know, Lang Moti and, and Hussein, albeit they bowled incredibly well, for instance, but you know, bowling fairly obvious round the wicked angles, angling into the right handers' pads, no left handers in the lineup to, to disrupt their angles, uh, smothering them for Whatever it was, five wickets for twenty something. I was can't, can't remember the figures off the top of my head, but you know, it was it was just it was just really not not smart cricket, and um, that I suppose is the is the challenge for this team, uh, trying to trying to evolve from from what they thought they were getting when when they appointed the coach to what they're now facing in a in a in a slightly more influx situations you know with, with, with the T20 circuit rise of the circuit and all the other things are constraining uh, the ability of of, of teams to, to get their get their heads on at any given time there's a lot conspiring against England uh, in white ball cricket in a way that perhaps hadn't been the case uh, under the previous regime
0: Yes uh, 5 for 44 combined figures of uh, Hussein and Moti uh, that, that left arm uh, finger spin uh, very tricky to get away uh, in, in certain circumstances. Um, on Matt, on uh, Mott, Matt, uh, you, you uh, spoke to him a few times during the World Cup. I mean, there are those that uh, have um, distinctly unfavourable views of his uh, of his position in charge of the the team. Um, he talked a little bit at the end of the series. Um, he uh, kind of referenced that, that this was a, a bit of a new group, which um Cameron Ponsonby our, our guy out on the ground described as gaslighting given how many world cup winners there were in the 11 uh, uh, last night for instance um I mean you know there, there is clearly a, a, they're trying to uh, get get the dynamic of this side um as Miller's mentioned um he also what uh talked about you know, setting the team up to perform as best they can. Sometimes results are out of your control. Um, so if you can keep that mindset and keep trying to get the best out of people, uh, I don't think you're really concerned by the win loss as much. I mean, um, I think you've you've kind of said that for you know England's. Um, we'll actually take plen- England will take plenty of you know of lessons from this and, and it will be about how they perform at the World Cup. But uh, how how do you see Mott's position? Um, I, I think England are, are clearly going to give him a run into this into this tournament. There's only, as we said, one white ball series between um, now and then. Um, but uh, yeah, th- th- there are questions that kind of aren't going away about his his position.
2: Yeah, well, I suppose this is the, the oddity of Mott's job at the moment is that he now has uh, f- effectively five months off until his team plays again um, at the end of May, which is a, a, just a really strange thing. And I suppose is something that, um, you know, both him and to, to a lesser extent, it seems to have been easier for uh, Brendan McCullum to adjust to. But I think for Mott, having been a, a year round coach and um you know constantly working with australia's women at, at training camps and then every single series that they played um sort of having a bit more rhythm and structure versus sort of coming together as a group for a short period of time um there, there is clearly a, a difference there and it's something that you know i think anyone would find it at least a, an, an initial challenge to uh to adjust to i think um yeah, I, I and it'll be really interesting to see sort of what comes out of you know what he does over the next four or five months in terms of the planning, uh, in terms of you know for example, is he going to go out to the IPL and try and catch up with players out there? Is he just going to try and refresh at home? Is he um, a, a, and plan towards that series against Pakistan, which leads into the World Cup? Um, but yeah, I I mean to be honest, my my view is you know I, I think there's. 1% chance almost impossible that he would be removed from his position before the World Cup. I don't see that there's a coach out there who would suddenly, you know, overnight transform England's fortunes. Um and also you know, I don't think England are in such a crisis if you look at their likely team for the T20 World Cup that uh they need to make a change anytime soon. Um so yeah, I th- I think he's, you know, I think he's pretty secure for now. There's clearly stuff that um has gone has gone well and there's clearly stuff has gone not so well, but um, you know, fundamentally, I think he's he said all the way all the way through, and Rob Key said the same. Um, he's going to be judged on World Cups, and so far, he's got he's won one and uh, spectacularly imploded in another. In another, so um, we'll see how he goes in the third. I suppose
0: this, the decider.
2: Um,
0: I think I think I'm right here. Uh, both of you uh, have picked your uh, 11s for for the uh, the World Cup. Uh, starting off, uh, at least I don't know. we won't get into condition-specific changes and so on. But um, yeah, uh, let's let's uh, hear <clears throat> what both you're thinking. Is I'm I'm, I'm sadly um, not expecting David Milan to be in either. But Miller, as the as the senior man, uh, why don't you uh, take the stage?
1: Yeah, fine. Well, I mean, to be honest, it, 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 Matt Matt Fyde is over earlier. I, he's much more proactive than me i took a look at it and thought you know what he's actually nailed it because i as i mentioned earlier i i have i have a soft spot for Will jacks i like the theory of wheel jacks um but the the practicalities are that england are probably going to lean on players that have got central contracts i think there is a fundamental you know if you're going to give guys Two two-year contracts, three-year contracts. In the case of Mark Wood, who who also is a guy who you you would be surprised not to see in, in 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 the World Cup lineup. You're you're going to use them for the big events, aren't you? And so, it feels likely, as we mentioned, Salt and Butler are going to be the locks at one and two. Johnny Bairstow looks like he's going to come back, but I'm going to say Jacks just because. I still have doubts about where berstow's at, uh, and I, I, I appreciate that casting aspersions about Johnny berstow is the short fire way to fire him up. And uh, obviously, he denies that this is the case, but clearly, it is. Um, casting aspersions about his ability to play across all three formats means that he will come out all guns blazing and um, and lay down lay a massive smackdown on on anyone who dares to say that. But I reckon that this this tour of India. Uh, the test tour of India is a more important thing for Bester going forward. I think uh, if Bester is going to enjoy the fruitful final years of his career that he so obviously deserves after everything he's done across uh, a decade or more now, uh, yeah, it feels to me as though test cricket is where that'll happen. Um, not least because so much of it's played in the mind and there's there's no bigger mentality giants in English cricket, as it, apart from maybe Ben Stokes, than Johnny Bester, in my opinion. So... I'm going to say Jack's at three, just because why not say something different? Uh, Stokes feels like a lock at four because, you know, he's the World Cup winner twice over. And again, his if his knee injury comes through, as we hope it will, certainly it's going to be touch and go for the Test Series, you would hope in six months' time. He'll be a new man. He may even be bowling again, which will be a huge boon to England's options. So getting him in there would be great. Again, Liam Livingstone has mentioned pushing him up the order makes sense in terms of um, in terms of just getting the best out of him and obviously with his spin options as well. And Harry Brook at six. Um, uh, obvious, obvious finisher. Now, Moen Alley's an interesting one, isn't he? I mean, Moen feels like a spare part in England's thinking. I mean, a very nice spare part to have. But, you know, he bowls one over in the power play occasionally. He often gets a wicket, then you may not bowl again often barely bats he's a he's a he's an oddly 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 luxurious item for a guy who's been around forever um i feel as though he's probably going to be in the mix but i mean it's hard to look past sam curran just i i like the, the the i like the fact that he found something within himself i mean i appreciate everything that matt was saying about his his lack of role clarity at the moment but his he is the guy who was the player of the series and player of the match in the last t20 world cup that england won and in this format, he was not so long ago uh, the IPL's most expensive pick. And so, you know, he's a guy who knows how to play 20 over cricket. And that, that, that final over the other day, albeit England lost, but we, he, he he bowled the penultimate over the match with everything on the line. And he took it to a situation where England could have burgled the victory in that final over. He, he bowled superbly. He hit his bounces. He pinned down Andre Russell, the guy who would obviously uh, is renowned for lumping it at the death. Uh, he looks like a guy who I would still still trust to do a job. Um, a lot can change in six months' time. Um, form comes and goes, but I still think he's probably got something up his sleeve. So I'm going to I'm going to pencil him in at seven, just as a, as an option there, and then again leans on the fact that Livingston will bowl more than uh, than he did in this series, and then the bowling. I mean, it feels fairly obvious. Woke's... Looks like he's locked in again with, with central contracts to, to consider and, and you know, he picked up the IPL. He's still got something to give in this format. Mark Wood comes back. Adil Rashid is clearly ahead of Ray and Ahmed, who, you know, midway through the series, I would love to see them both play, but I think that's unlikely. And then Reese Topley, the, the much-missed Reese Topley from the World Cup. He was the only player, only bowler in the World Cup who, who really hit his straps and then he broke his fingers. So uh, um, that was a massive loss. He keeps having criminally bad luck in world events. Uh surely this time has got to be his time. And um, you know, he's he he he, he certainly showed was it, two for seventeen last night, I think it was he, you know, he he's he does it right a lot. He bowls that lovely heavy ball, left arm angle, high release point. there's an awful lot that's it's hard to replicate when you're when you're trying to line up against bowlers you're not familiar with. It's very hard to replicate someone who, who has a knuckle scraping action from a left arm line. So uh, he's a really useful bloke to have um, to complete the set. So there you go.
0: Um uh, Matt clearly uh, speaking of homework, Miller has copied yours. But can you, uh c- can you please give us the the correct answers?
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I I, I think. <laughs> In terms of um, both, in terms of what what England's, I think they'll do and what I think they should do, I think I've tried to come up with a mix of both. Um, so I think uh, Phil Salt and Josh Butler will open the batting with, with Birstow at three, uh, Stokes anchoring at number four, uh, Liam Livingstone and Harry Brook as the the power in the lower middle order from five and six. Uh, Moen Ali, I think, is still the second spinner handle uh, rounder from number seven and then yeah i have my seamers chris woges mark wood and reese topley uh, and adil rashid a no-brainer as the spinner um i suppose the notable omissions there you know jacks um sam Curran. i think will inevitably travel and i would have him in the squad um but maybe it, just in terms of roles i think it makes sense to have topley and wokes opening the bowling and, and wood is the point of difference high base guy through the middle and at the back end um and I suppose the other one that we've not really discussed is Joffrey Archer and, and the reason I haven't got him in is as much as anything, just because we we haven't seen him bowl at all um since what early May this year. So uh much as the idea of having Archer in uh is uh is a, a pretty nice one as far as England are concerned, I think they can't uh sort of rely on the idea that he'll be there just based on fitness record over the past couple of years. Um clearly if he's out of fit and you know ninety percent of his best, then he walks straight into that side somehow. Um, lovely
0: stuff. I, I suppose uh, the likes of uh, Rayan are going to be uh, uh, around the squad. Um, Tamar Mills. Uh, one quick one: um, are, are we moving on, Matt, from in, in the same way as apparently we are from David Um Chris Jordan, England's um, second all-time leading wicket taker? He obviously wasn't taken on this trip um has a wealth of experience is still playing in, in in leagues around the world i think he smashed the th- third fastest bbl 50 or something a couple of days ago um but we're uh, we not expecting him to sort of
2: uh, come in barring sort of injuries to to the main seam bowling contenders well, I, I think Jordan should probably be in the conversation. I think part, you know, he was slightly less, um, you know, obviously asked to key um, around the, the time of this squad being picked. But I think part of the reason was because of the fact that he had this big bash contract and um, England kind of know what, what Jordan is all about at this point in his career. He's not essentially contracted player. Um, I, I think he'll be in the mix. Um, he, his batting has improved massively, even at a relatively, you know, late stage in his career. He, he's been... Um, exactly the sort of power hitter that you'd actually want at the back end and that England arguably missed last night um, in that final T20. Um, if you look at, you know, that, that lower middle order or, or I suppose into the bowlers of Curran, Wokes, Rehan, Rashid, there were good batters there but maybe not quite the sort of raw power that you needed on the, the pitch that we had last night, which Jordan clearly has. Um, and also I think he, even watching um, Andrew Russell execute his Yorkers at the death against England, um, it did suggest that um, that's a pretty viable way to go on, on pitches like that one and, and pitches in the Caribbean where generally Yorkers generally seem to work um, to good effect. So I would be surprised if Jordan's not in the mix. He's also, you know, he's a fantastic guy to have on the bench running drinks as a substitute fielder, um, which is worth worth bearing in mind when you've got a long tournament like that one. Um, so, yeah, I think it's slightly less clear that they've moved on from him. But again, it's, um, you know, it, it's a long way away yet, the World Cup. And there's a, a fair bit of uh, league cricket to, to sort itself out before then. I do think you, met, you mentioned Mills there. He obviously didn't really state his case in this tour. I think only took two wickets in his three games and went at 11 and over. So um, he, he maybe has, has slipped back a little bit in the pecking order. And um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see Jordan in the mix, at least as a death bowler
0: certainly uh someone with a bit of caribbean know-how as well and um, Miller speaking about uh the west indies uh the hosts or, or joint hosts i suppose uh um of the the tournament next year um plenty of positives for them from this series um you know russell's return robman powell's captaincy shall i hope that at number four um it is clear, you know clearly a big target for them this uh a home world cup um and that the signs are there that um uh, they, they could be a force again
1: they really could i mean they, you know, you, you, i suppose you only have to look at the the contrast between this this squad the, with all the big beasts returning I mean, andre russell back back after two two years and and all, all the other big names that the that have turned down central contracts. Then you look at the the squad that's going out for the test series in Australia, which, you know, traditionally was the marquee tour for a West Indies side. Uh, and there are seven uncapped players. And as Matt obviously spoke to Jason Holder the other day, and he explained his reasons for for pulling out saying, I am completely focused on winning the T-20 World Cup on home soil. I mean, it's uh you know, they are two times winners, only England matched them in those stakes. Uh, and they're on home soil. England are the defending champions and defending on. Uh, their soil and they won in 2010 there as well so it's a you know west indies are in a really strong position they they've got themselves a, a proper lineup i mean their twin spillers were outstanding in the series i've mentioned already but uh you know the, the alzara joseph's extra pace is, is is a boon i thought a shane thomas bowled a really good heavy ball the other day and then their hitters all the way through from you know top of the order brandon king perhaps didn't come off uh, every, every time but uh it got you know robin powell just looks full of power every time he steps out of the pitch andre russell was a hit and miss but he's he's full of full of po- potential as well jason older lurking down the order there there's an awful lot of proper nous from all around the world you know they've toured toured the you know the west Indies have been in this position for for generations now really they they they, 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 they are in high demand in tournaments all over the place and then when they get their act together and get get the get their mindset together and and come together as a West Indies team they can be an extraordinary force to be reckoned with and it does look as though for the first time in a long time I mean bear in mind when they beat England in Calcutta in 2016 you remember Darren Sammy's uh speech on the podium uh, you, you know he, he was basically calling out the iniquities of the board there and then and and, and basically pointing out that Everything that his team, which you know, clearly the likes of Chris Gale Marlon Samuels, everything they'd done had been in spite of the lack of support from above. This time around, it does feel as though everything West Indies could do will be thanks to the support from above. It looks like the West Indies cricket board are much more laissez faire about allowing these players to come and go, They're not going to lose their, drop their bundle every time they, they turn down the contracts. They're going to accept that, you know what, there are opportunities out there that these guys are just simply cannot turn down for the sake of their their livelihoods and their families and all the rest of it but ultimately if you trust them to come together as west indies and and give them a chance to have a real shot at a, at a title they're going to give it a good shot and he, you know the as we mentioned 126s and the west indies had the lion's share of them in the series and, and the previous highest was 97 in some, uh associate events so you know it's it, it Bulgaria was Bulgaria
0: versus uh, Serbia if, uh, exactly that So you know, I remember it well as we all do but uh,
1: this has been the, the most <laughs> most missile laden Caribbean jaunts since the Bay of Pigs it's been it's been and the West Indies have been fl- flinging most of them around so um yeah on home soil with this sort of memory of what they were what they pulled off not just here but also beating India only really, the series earlier in the year with a similar scenario, winning the decider after after back after after squandering a lead, um, they're in a really good place and I'm very pleased about it. But it's, um, you know, less said about their test team the better. But uh, as we all know, they've been judged on twenty of a cricket for a long time now, and they are always in the mix when it comes to the main event.
0: And and then just um Matt you you've spoken this week to, to Johnny Grave, I think. I mean credit there to the the way that Sammy and and the management have have uh, achieved uh, this uh, delicate balancing act with uh, you know allowing west indian um west indies star players really to go and earn the money that they can on the on the circuit uh, but also getting them to appear for the national team yeah
2: absolutely Even if that and means i think missing
0: test tours to australia
2: <laughs> yeah absolutely and i think it was a, a masterstroke really from Cricket West Indies to appoint Darren Sammy as as their white ball coach. I think he's not got a huge amount of coaching experience, but one thing that he has always had in abundance is a sort of inspirational quality as a leader, I think. If you think back to that 2016 World Cup, he wasn't contributing a lot with bat or ball, really, in that tournament. He was a bit of a bit-part player, but what he clearly was was a, 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 firstly, very savvy tactician, and secondly, a guy that could actually unite a fairly disparate group of players, bring them together for a common cause, and if he can do that this time, it, you know, what's to say that West Indies can't um, go deep in, in a World Cup where they'll know the conditions far better than any other team? There's not, you know, there's obviously overseas players at the Caribbean Premier League, but there's not that many national teams that you look through and think those guys have a load of CPL experience or those guys have played a ton of series in the Caribbean. So I think home ground advantage will be really big for them, um, and I, I think there's there's every chance that they'll they'll have a good crack at it. Um, they they've clearly sort of you know someone like andre russell would andre russell really be playing this series and then in australia uh, giving up you know significant earnings in franchise cricket around the world if not for the presence of sammy and someone that could actually um you know explain to him the vision of what was going to happen with this team I, I don't think he would so um i think that was a great appointment they're, they're two out of two in t20 series since sammy was appointed um three two wins against india and now england and yeah it looks like a great move
0: Excellent and uh, well, the sight of West Indies tonking it around the Caribbean and, and maybe even uh, it, Manhattan or um, wherever uh, wherever the ground in New York is exactly uh, should catch the imagination. Um, one last uh, thing to to note: so there was an IPL auction this week. Um, uh, there the plenty of takeaways i think uh, the main one being there's still a lot of silly money out there but uh, i mean Matt, the the um the headline acts were 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 not english but uh, a few um a few deals there for the likes of harry Brooke and and chris wokes uh, in particular uh, a small amount of cash burning a hole in their back pockets now
2: yeah um it was an interesting auction from an english point of view in that um because of the fact that nine players had been uh, retained. There weren't actually that many big names out on the table. I suppose, to be honest, more so than Brook and Wokes, the, the the most noteworthy English stories were the fact that both uh, Adil Rashid and Phil Salt went unsold. Um, I don't know if a part of that was because of the fact that at the end of May there's a there's an England T20 series against Pakistan, which might mean that players uh, missed the the final uh, sort of the, the knockout stages of the IPL. But um, yeah, a little bit of a surprise. I mean, we we've Adil Rashid's clearly. Um, not has anywhere near as many IPL gigs um, as many would have expected, and part of that is um, supply and demand, and the excess of, of of Indian spinners compared to the the need for overseas spinners. Um, but Salt, in particular, is pretty pretty hard done by. I mean, that that uh, auction came uh, in between his two hundreds on on the morning of the day of the the second. Uh, during that series, and he actually had a really good IPL last year with Delhi. So um, he was just, I, I think, just an unfortunate um, victim of the, the market dynamics this year, and that very few teams went for uh, overseas opening batters and, and sort of seemed to trust the opening partnerships they had last year. Um, but yeah, um, a, a bit of a shame for him, and I suppose slightly strange for the England players who weren't picked up that um, the only. Cricket on offer to them in in April and May when they'll be you know in theory preparing for a T Twenty World Cup will come at the county championship. So um, expect to see a couple of them poking their heads up in, in the second eleven T Twenty competition when that gets underway in May. Well,
0: Sam Curran, of course, does have an IPL deal, so won't be uh, getting that. That <laughs> won't um, be fulfilling presc- my dream of prescri- seeing him running and over Red ball practice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, and and Miller, the the uh, the Christmas presents in the Starbuck and Cummins households should should be a. Uh, quite generous you, t- you imagine
1: yes and quite quite right too i mean one thing we we've seen i guess from the IPL, it does respond quite dynamically to to events around it and given that uh australia pulled off an outstanding heist at the world cup just gone it's only fair that uh that their their, their captain and, and star left armor should be the the big buys i mean stark's fascinating in that he's he's basically turned down the rpl for the past decade i mean look, you think he last played in 2015 didn't he but yeah his payday is is monstrous, and it is it, perfectly justified by the fact that you know he pound for pound he's probably been the best left arm be, best best seamer full stop in in white ball cricket in in a generation. I mean his 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 credentials are are ceaseless. He his 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 yorkers are legendary. Ben Stokes knows that well from the twenty nineteen Lords match, um, and yeah, his payday is is probably I guess it's a partly a, partly. Reward for, for 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 keeping them waiting, isn't it? You just, you know, make 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 them wait for eight years and uh, finally put himself in the market, and everyone wants a piece of him. It. So it's quite 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 a cunning plan. I, I think I think a few other players ought to ought to try that trick in the future and see whether they can land a land a big payday with a, you know, the desperation to grab him at the at the final chance.
0: Playing hard to get—that was all it took, and a, and a, and a decent World Cup and and a bit of recency bias, as as Matt wrote about. Um Okay. That will do us for another year. Uh, England lost one of their white ball baubles in 2023, but remain top of the T20 tree for now. And it's time to stow the short formats in the loft because we're back on the baseball bandwagon next with a five-test tour to India coming up next month. For now, my thanks to Miller and Matt and you, listener, for tuning in. From all of us at ESPN Creek Info, it's Merry Christmas and non-denominational season's best wishes... Let's do it all again soon.